Chapter 30. Bad Timing. Sunday morning, I cannot wait to get into the root cellar again. Gotta see how the paint dried, but I won't go down there without Calvin. I come out of the crumple down with four pieces of toast in my hand. I wait by the edge of Swaggerton Road, take a few bites, and watch for Calvin to come down Jonagold Path. Then I think this. Might as well go up and meet him. I take a look to my left, then right. Check for cars. Don't you know it? There's one coming. Not too fast, I think, but I step back anyway. Then I see it. It is a Merrimack PD Cruiser. Another look at it, I see it number 003. That's Lieutenant Baird. And now he's slowing down. Way down. Sure thing, he pulls off Swaggerton. Tires crackle over the gravel right next to my feet. I hear the swoosh. The lieutenant's window going down. He hangs one arm out, waves with two fingers. I swallow hard, toast crumbs in my throat. The lieutenant says, good morning, Mason. I say, good morning. In my head, I think, it was a good morning. Not so sure now. He says, having a little breakfast, are you? I scuff my foot. I say, toast. Then I say, and I'm waiting for someone. He says, oh yeah? Who's that? He turns his head, looks up Johnny Gold Path. Just quick. I say, a friend, Calvin Chumsky. He says, what are you planning? I think about that. We are planning plenty, but I will not give up the root cellar. I say, we just hang out. That is true enough. I think this, the lieutenant does not usually visit on a Sunday morning. And maybe this is not a real visit. Maybe it's more like bad timing, like he was just coming along Swaggerton and saw me. But now here he is. I worry he will say he wants to go inside the crumple down. Take a look at that notebook he gave me. I know I have not been good about putting anything into that for him. The feeling of pressure comes. I see the ugly green, Starts up in spots this time. They turn splotchy, and I blink. The lieutenant says, Well, enjoy your breakfast and your Sunday. Stay out of trouble. I'll see you soon. I nod. His window goes up with a snap. Tell you what, I cannot believe that is all. I breathe. The green stuff goes away. The cruiser rolls onto Swaggerton Road. Gone. Funny thing. I'm looking at Calvin Chumsky. He is standing at the bottom of Johnny Gold Path. I think he has been waiting to cross. He's got a granola bar in one hand and a garden trowel in the other. I shrug, show him that I have toast. Two pieces still, both a little broken from me holding them too hard, and soggy for my sweaty hands. Calvin crosses. We do not talk about the 003 cruiser. We have something else to do. Chapter 31. The Big Dig. Things are Sunday morning quiet down in the drinker yard. Just Mooney, small black and white curl on a patio chair. Timing is good. Calvin and I slip behind the tractor, in through the bramble door. We sit inside the cellar and finish our breakfast. Peaceful. We look at our good work. The paint is dry, mostly, 
Smell is gone. Mostly. Got Uncle Drum's flashlight propped in a recess on the black wall. Seems like more light in here than before. That is because of the pale walls. Reflective is what this is. Calvin promises there is even more light coming. He clicks on his tablet, finds that light shaft picture again. What we have to do is this. First, have to go up on top, like we are standing on the outside roof of this root cellar. Second, dig a perfect circle hole all the way around the wooden ceiling here on the inside of the roof cell root cellar. He points up. Calvin says, I think we'll hit the ceiling boards about five feet down. Maybe six. We have to keep the hole super perfect, Mason. We want the sauna tube to fit tight. I tell Calvin, we have to go down six feet and wide as the tube? And you brought that little bitty trowel? He says, yeah, I know. That's all we had at my house. I tell him, you can put that away. I got something else. I fold my last piece of toast into my mouth, wipe my hands on my pants, and then I go search the shed. Lucky thing, I find the post hole digger in that mess of tools all leaned up against the wall. I grab it. Then I go stand where Calvin tells me, in the brambles, all the way up to my shins. I take one look to check the drinker yard. I am up high here. Anyone coming out that back door could sure see me. But it's just Mooney down there. I watch him stretch, then curl up again. Then I look down between my feet. I plunge the digger in. Break ground. Tell you what, it goes slow. But I dig clean. Keep the sides straight. Keep that hole wide enough for the tube. I lift the plugs of dirt out of the hole. One at, the, or one at a time. That's how it goes with the post hole digger. Calvin helps, drags the pricker canes out of my way. I dig down about two feet, then I rest my sweaty cheeks on my sweaty hands on the handles of the digger. Calvin thunks the tube into the hole. Never mind that the tube is taller than he is. He puts his arms around it. Big lift. Mighty Calvin. He twists it around in the hole, hauls it out again. The tube makes a circle mark down in the dirt. I know to follow that. Calvin talks about precision. I talk about this being the deepest hole I've ever dug. We spent a long morning, then take a lunch break. I'm a soaking wet gross out. I change my t-shirt. I eat two sandwiches, drink two glasses of milk. Calvin has one of each. We battle Shailene for the last six vanilla wafers. We win all of those, thanks to Grandma. Back outside, the hole is deep. The digging gets crazy hard. Last 18 inches takes the longest. I drop the digger into that hole, bend my knees full squat and lift it out again. I pluck about a cup of dirt at a time. Slow go. Calvin's part gets harder too. The tube gets stuck a lot. On the way in, on the way out. So I help. Finally, finally, I thump the digger into the hole way down deep, and there is a sound, like wood. Calvin shouts into the air. He says, that's it, you're there, Mason. Then he's quieter to say, you hit the ceiling of the root cellar, sweet. We sink that tube one last time, push down hard on it. 
It sticks up out of the ground, just about one foot. Calvin says it's all good. We can leave it in place now. Then he sits his butt down on it. He looks like a baby on a potty. He wiggles his feet, the sandy, the tan sandy shoes, gets me laughing. But then he hops up again. Back to business. We go down inside the cellar. We look up. He says, one circle cut to go, uh, Mason. I tell Calvin, I get it. I know what to do. I know because of Benny, Gil- Benny Kilmartin's dad, Andy, helped to cut the hole for their dryer vent. We had to match up the hole in the sheetrock to the hole in the house siding. Indoors and outdoors. This light shaft is way bigger and deeper, but same kind of job. Your drill is what you do. Lucky thing, the drill is charged up. Cordless. I stand on a bucket and reach up. I try to find the center. That's a little bit of hit or miss. Prayers and wishes is what Andy Kilmartin said. I remember. Benny closed his eyes for a few seconds like he was doing both. Praying and wishing. But Calvin keeps eyes open. To measure. He tells me where to try. I pray and wish. I drill. Then I stick a piece of coat hanger wire up the hole. Calvin runs up top, looks down the tube to see where it comes out. He calls down to me and I hear him. Amazing. It's Calvin's voice coming down through the earth. And then I know. It's like we built a laundry chute. All I have to do is get this piece of wood out of the way. Calvin says, so close. Drill another hole just one inch to your right, okay, Mason? To your right. I hoist the drill up, squint my eyes, make the new hole. I stick the wire in. Calvin shouts, yes, that's the middle. Perfect. Inside the cellar, I boost him up. He draws a circle on the wood, measures with his eyes and an old school ruler from our toolbox. I say, hey, looks a little small. Isn't our tube bigger? He says precisely, this is smaller, so the wood will support the sauna tube, like a lip for it to sit on. Otherwise, the tube could come falling straight into the root cellar. We've worked too hard for that. I say, right. Wish like crazy I had a hole saw, even a small one, to start punching this thing. Open. We had one once, probably still have it somewhere, but the toolbox is not so in order. Can't even ask Uncle Drum. He's not home. Sunday is his longest day at the diner. He stays on for Stuart's turkey and gravy dinner. So I go mad wild drilling with the same drill bit. Calvin says, go Mason, Swiss cheese that thing. I go around the circle Calvin drew. I put holes like where clock numbers go. Then more holes in between. Hard thing is drilling upward. Takes a lot of grunts. Dirt falls through the little holes, hits me in the face, but I get all the way around. And then I drill a bunch of holes tight together, make a slot. I tell Calvin that should be big enough to fit the blade of the handsaw. And all I have to do is saw along, connecting those dots until it's all cut open. Soon as I say it, I remember. I don't have that handsaw. I let out a squawk. Calvin remembers, too. We both say, no handsaw. Calvin paws through the toolbox, holds up a chisel and a hammer. 
Well, tell you what, it is another big job. I drill more holes. Then I go all along the circle with the hammer and chisel. I blink my eyes to keep dirt and splinters out. Finally, finally, that circle of wood drops out. Hits me right in the lip. Down comes a shower of dirt. Well, that lip smarts, makes my eyes tear. I blink like crazy. Then I look. I see Calvin. He's standing right below the hole. And tell you what, there is light. Holy cow. Chapter 32. End of a day. You can guess it. Calvin and I are dirty after all our work. We have bramble scratches all up our legs and arms, but we stay. We take turns looking up through the shaft to the sky. It is all good. Then Calvin says, the dead man. I say, what? He says, the shaft of the dead man from the caves of Laskow. I can't believe I didn't think of it before. Remember that drawing of the stick man with a bird head on him? He was half lying down with another bird nearby? I say, oh, yeah. Calvin says, we should paint our own version of him here. Maybe right on the floor where the light hits. It will shine right on him. Yes, the shaft of the dead man. It's meant to be. Well, he might be right, but we cannot do that today. Sun is low. Calvin has to go home before dark. That's the rule. We take a five-gallon bucket, turn it upside down over the opening at the top of the new shaft. Gotta have a cover. Keep out the rain. It sticks up some, but it doesn't look like much. We kick the loose brambles back over. I say, guess we turned out the light down in the root cellar. Calvin says, yeah, for now. We need one more thing to finish the light shaft off just right. I don't know what yet. We need a clear cover for the tube. I say, like a five-gallon bucket with a glassy bottom on it? It's a joke, but Calvin doesn't laugh. He's thinking hard. He says, hmm, something. A bubble or a dome to cap it. Yeah, it really should be a dome. Because in theory, a curve will collect more light to send down the shaft. I'm thinking that sounds amazing. I'm also thinking good luck to us finding one. We have looked inside the construction dumpsters plenty. Nothing like that in there. I start to think, what's in the shed? Then I think my way along the rows inside of Bischel's hardware and in Grandma's kitchen. Nothing. Calvin and I soap up our scrapes and scratches at the spigot. Stings like crazy. It is a whole day of good dirt running off us, making a puddle. Then don't you know it? Up comes Mooney, all by surprise. He wags and crouches, pushes between Calvin and me. About knocks us on our butts. We get tail slapped. He dances in the puddle. His pink tongue laps at the tickle from spigot. spigot. Calvin laughs. He says, drink, 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 Mooney drinker. And Mooney does. I say, Mooney boy, what are you doing here? How'd you get out? Is your gate open, huh, buddy? Huh? And that dog licks me like I am a steak bone. We give him chest scratches, four hands on. It is nice that Calvin likes this dog. Pretty well. Then I walk with Calvin and Mooney out to the road. I hook my finger under Mooney's collar. Just gentle. Just safe. 
I watch Calvin start up on John Gold Path. I like to see that he's on his way, going home for supper. Helps me feel all right. I think this. Monday is coming. Another day at the cluster stop. Won't be bad. Calvin and I have a place. The root cellar. Keeps getting better in there. And Calvin has more plans. I like it. I still miss the limbs and branches in the tree fort. Maybe not as much now. I take Mooney home. I wander the long way. Go through the buttle orchard. I come to the tree fort, still hard to look at that spot. The missing ladder and to remember Benny at the bottom. And to wonder all over again how that happened. He was supposed to go home for supper, is all. Funny thing the way Mooney stops, sniffs the ground before the fort. I remember how Matt and Lance snuck up on Benny and me, plenty of times. Creamed us and apples. It's one of those things. Seems long ago, but not long ago. But it was before Uncle Drum sold that last parcel. Boy. Benny Kilmartin would be surprised to know that so many people moved into Merrimack. I think this. I wish Benny could be here to know Calvin. Wish that a lot. I called a Mooney. He hops right up to me. I say, good dog. Then I reach up to pick up a limb. Pick two nice fat Macintoshes from the tree. I bite into one. Roll the other up ahead of us for Mooney. He chases, tail high. Dives on the apple and brings it back to me. I throw it again. We do that all the way down to the drinker's house. No lacrosse players today. If I see Matt now, he will behave. He will be that other side of himself. No worries this time of day. When I'm putting Mooney inside the fence, Mrs. Drinker opens the back door. She says, oh, Mason, she is glad to see me. She says, I see that our Mooney monster was out again. Hmm. Thank you for bringing him home. Then she says, while you're here, can I count on you for Columbus Day weekend? We'll need a dog sitter. Maddie and I are going to see his dad. I say, sure. She knows it anyway. I will always say yes to taking care of that dog. The glass door closes. I raise one hand. A goodbye. Mooney looks after me. Me after him. Mrs. Drinker sets a bowl down for him. I turn to go. Glad I got Mooney home in time for his supper. Then I notice that I am mad hungry too. Wild hungry. I pick up the pace. I want my supper too.